Hello and welcome to the Just In podcast. Now, you might realise that you might be thinking, oh, this is a different different show that I listened to a couple of weeks ago. But it isn't. We've thought of a name and it is Just In, as in this Just In. But we're just naming it Just In. The idea behind it is this is... Two separate words, not, yeah. not Just In. <laughs> just <laughs> the name of a person. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's... The podcast is just in. Obviously, the news won't be just in because it's a week's worth of news. But the podcast is just in. Indeed, it is. Um, lots to talk about on today's show. Uh, me and Thomas. Uh, we are starting off with um, the Lego Movie Two. Um, then we're going to look um, quite nicely segue into uh, Women in Film, uh, which is a BBC Newsbeat story. Um, then the release, um, upcoming release, sorry, of Far Cry New Dawn, which Thomas is very excited it's about. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll head into the transfer deadline day stories because that was a significant part of this week. And then um, the University of Nottingham ended unconditional offers and where we think that will leave university offers as a whole in the future but first let's kick off with the lego movie 2 the second part i've only recently watched the lego movie 1 how how have you just recently watched it well when it first came out i was like oh i don't know if it will be interesting for me and then um i was just flicking through um netflix the other night yeah and i was like oh there's nothing on i'll just watch you know the lego movie see what it's like and i quite enjoyed it so yeah, yeah. um looking forward to the lego movie Two, the second part. I need to watch the first part still. Um, is it is it two parts oh, or no, is it no, just no, called no. the second Sorry. part? Yeah, it caught me off guard. The 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 uh, Lego Movie Two. The, the name is the second part. So oh it is right, the second okay. Part of the overall franchise. So it's still number two. Yes. Okay. It, yeah, unless I've missed the first part, but that's my <laughs> understanding. <laughs> yeah, very odd. Very odd. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait for this. I really can't. I love. I love the Lego movie. Um, my wife's quite fed up of me watching it, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's such a good film. Um, if you don't haven't seen the Lego movie, I'd suggest obviously watching it. Um, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Um, but it's so clever to the fact that there's so many minute details in the film, the first one, obviously, I've seen the second one, but there's that many minute details that it brings the joy and the excitement of Lego back to you as an adult. Um, I mean, to the extent of the Lego pieces, all the when they're doing the master building scene, all the pieces for the parts which fly up on the screen behind the be- in the background, they are the real numbers. Mm. And like the kits which are on, like you see in passing, that have like a number on it. If you Google that number, that is the actual kit. It'd be interesting to see how long it takes them to build yeah. the set, the the characters, and yeah, yeah, crazy. And it's it looks well. Last thing that. The, the set and everything else, it looks like stop motion, but it is actually CGI. Oh. Yeah, it is actually it CGI. It does look very stop motion Yeah, so I, th- I thought it was. When I first watched I thought this must have taken hours. Because when I did media in school, we did some stop motion yeah. work, and I remember how much time it took to get things yeah. perfectly right. So it mu- I was going to say it mu- must take them loads of time, but CGI is a little bit it's, easier. Yeah, yeah. It, in, in a way, it's a cop-out, but you can kind of understand why yeah i mean when you look at like ardman productions with that clay motion um that's a bit different because it's easier to mold but obviously with the lego stuff you all the bits flying around and just to try and get that in sequence and then the movements of them talking the mouth exactly. movements yeah because there's some very uh well a mixture of uh stars in this some british well-known yeah. names some american well-known names uh chris pratt for instance yeah uh will ferrell's in it yeah. Um, who I've not really, no, I don't really, I've never really known him do just voice work before. So it'll be interesting to no. see how how he does that because usually he's very full on in his acting. That's it. It's he's very movement based. Yeah. It? Like like uh, not Mr Bean, but that's his comedy, isn't it? Yeah. He's very movement based and um, yeah. So it's... it'll be interesting to see how um, he does with that. There's also, um, as I said, some British names like uh, Richard Iowardi from I can't believe he's from be the honest. It Crowd, as I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I, I can't believe he's going to be in this. As, like, as an ice cream cone, a talking ice cream cone who is a citizen of the sister system. <laughs> oh, dear. That's, uh, yeah. That's just the perfect part for Richard Iowardi. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, and but then... There's, there's a load of people, like, like Margot Robbie, who is actually reprising her role as Harley Quinn, um, but in, obviously, toy form. Yeah. Um, Jason Momoa reprising his role as Aquaman, but in Lego form. Uh, is it Gal Gal Gaddo? Yeah, yeah. Um, she is obviously Wonder Woman. She is reprising her role in Lego form. Um, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Bruce Willis has got a lot of method acting to do in this. Yeah, because he's playing himself. I can't. When you told me, I can't <laughs> believe it. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, playing himself in two scenes, one which references his character John McClane from Die Hard. <laughs> oh, I love it so It'll much. be interesting to see how they're going to throw that in there. Yeah. But uh, Ralph Fiennes in it as well, um, who plays Alfred Pennyworth, a DC comic character, Batman's loyal butler, um, oh. reprising the role from the original uh, Lego Batman movie. And Noel Fielding's in it, um, obviously known for Bake Off. Yeah. Um, and other things before Bake Off. Yeah. <laughs> but I mainly know him from Bake Off uh, as Balthazar, a sparkly yeah. vampire. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Describing himself as an attractive and non-threatening teen vampire as a nod to the Twilight Saga film series, who is a citizen and the spa expert DJ of the Star system. Uh, it's just... It's- what other what other role we're going to give Noel Fielding? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think he'll do great. I think yeah. he'll be fantastic. He's got one of those voices as well. And because, you know, let's face it, the Lego movie's aimed mainly at children, even though we as adults watch it and quite yeah. enjoy it. Um, those are really good names to have in there because they're quite um, voices that people kids will know yeah that's you it. know yeah um, and Noel Fielding's got one of those voices that I think um he should be doing more yeah voice voice acting yeah definitely um so yeah that's looking good that's how on um when when is it out I had it somewhere so I underlined it but oh, 8th of February 8th of February there you go. so a week from the time of recording because it's the 1st of February today yeah so a week. Oh, next Friday. Today. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, it must obviously got to mention as well. It does bring back the original cast as well. Um, they just mentioned Chris Pratt, um, Elizabeth Banks, who I absolutely love, Will Arnett, who I have an absolute man crush for. I See, I recognise his name, but I can't put oh, he's... a face to his name. Oh, I love him. Right. So what well, else has he been in? He's been in Arrested Development. Not seen it. Not seen it. Okay. Um, have you seen? Blades is it Blades of Fury, the ice skating one with Will Ferrell in it? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, oh, what else has he been in? He plays the voice of Bojack in Bojack Horseman. Maybe that's where I know him from, but I want to know what he looks like. One second. He's like a really tall, but really like, like proper, like chiseled jaw, kind of like. Is that him? That's him. That is him. For anyone listening to this, I've just <laughs> yeah, shown him a picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I know him. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a lot. He's very funny. Very funny. Um, Charlie Day as well. He was in um, that film that time. <laughs> <laughs> he was in one of those films, you yeah. know, that he acted in. Um, Horrible Bosses. He's in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. in that. Um, he's not in Arrested Development, but he's in one of the other, like, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is in that. Um, and some other things as well. Yeah. Um, Charlie Day, I mentioned Charlie Day, Alison Brie, Nick Offerman, and Will Ferrell. Alison Brie is another name that I recognise but can't put a face to. Oh, right. Alison Brie, she was in Community um, as Annie. Ah, um, I recognise her now. Yeah. Well, she's been loads. Bojack Horseman as yes, well. Yes, she's in that. Mad Men. Yes, she's in that. Um, sleeping with other people, how to be single, the five-year engagement, all sorts, yeah. Scream 4, she was in Scream 4. That's what I think I know her from. Didn't know that. Yeah, she was in Scream 4. 
don't know who she was in Scream 4, but she was. She was in Scream 4. <laughs> Rebecca Walters. She was. Oh, uh, I, I don't, obviously, I, I can't remember watching it. I'm yeah. sure I've watched it. I've watched all the screens, but I can't, can't place her. And she, again, um, I say kids will know who she is. She was in Hannah Montana in 2006. So, oh, right. you know, uh, <laughs> uh, High School USA. She's been in all sorts of, like, um, kids TV stuff as well. Um, so, yeah. Quite a good lineup, yeah. a good cast. I'm looking forward to watching it, um, particularly just to see um, Richard Iowadi as an ice cream cone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Ab- I'm wait. I'll, How I, do you make an ice cream cone out of Lego? I don't know. Because they're quite. They're usually quite square, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd have to be quite a big like to make the pixelated work. It'd have yeah, to be quite a big ice cream cone. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> do you reckon they they went we want Richard Iwadi in it yeah but what should we get him to play or do you reckon they went we've got this ice cream cone that we want to get into it who would play a yeah. really good <laughs> ice cream cone like which way round do you think the process of <laughs> I do think if they don't if there's no interaction obviously with the ice cream cone and the lovable vampire, vampire. if there's no interaction between Richard Iwadi and Nell Fielding they've missed out on they've missed out there <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, life. and they know they know each other so well and work so well together. Exactly. Um, That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, um, and it says on, in terms of the music front, obviously the first film's "Everything Is Awesome" was uh, earworm for everybody. Legitimately, is my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they want to create a similar song for the sequel, and they've called it the catchy song. So it'll be interesting to hear what that is, uh, which features as its only lyric the repeated phrase, this song is going to get stuck in your head. Uh, it was written by John Lejoey and produced by Dylan Francis and sung by T-Pain. T-Pain? <laughs> of all people. Of all the people. T-Pain <laughs> and that girl Lele. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, but then again, you know, it's one of those that gets kids singing and talking. And uh, there will be a Lego Movie 2 video game, apparently, um, which has been, was announced on November 27th, 2018, and scheduled to be released on February the 26th. So that'll be um, three weeks after, yeah, two weeks after the film's out because it's out next week. Yeah. So that's the 8th. 15th, 26th, yeah. Yeah, two weeks after. Yeah. So, crazy Yeah. Um, how quick the turnaround in these things is. Yeah. I'm, right. Yeah, mint. Right, love it. That's that's the Lego movie. Go see it out next week. Oh, yeah. Feb, uh, February the 8th, which is a Friday, um, because we know that because that's the day we're recording. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a definite flag to, to go by. So, we've chatted about uh, the Lego movie. Let's look at this Newsbeat story, um, which was, w- we kind of had on standby in case we needed an extra thing, and then we kind of went, actually, let's throw it in. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Because we were quite shocked by the fact that only 4% of the biggest earning films from the past decade have been directed by women. This whole story, Women in Film, We're Living in the Dark Ages When It Comes to Representation, is on the BBC Newsbeat website. Um, And the movies that made the most money in 2018, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles, were all directed by men. So there's people calling for more female directors, and I don't see why there shouldn't be. You know, there's so many great actresses out there that could easily turn their hand to directing. Yeah. Um, I was watching Whoopi Goldberg on something the other day, and I was there like, she his hilariously funny why has she not directed something yeah that's it um you know why is why are the roles going to these big well-known and yeah you know we know that steven spielberg and um all those kinds of directors know their stuff and do a good job every time and sometimes that's why people that make films play it safe and go steven spielberg because we know he'll do a good job rather than a rookie kind of thing but when if you in in like football when football players come through 
um, and at the end of their career going to coaching or managing. That's how it should be with acting. Exactly. Yeah. The actors and the actresses should go, yeah, let's step up um, and do this. Yeah. You look at Channing Tatum with, um, he's now taking, um, oh, what's that dancing show that he does Magic on Mike. tour? Magic Mike yeah. on tour. Because he's played an active part in that through yeah, his yeah. acting. Um, so it's, we should be doing that. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, like another, another example is, um, I can't, I've got just, I think it's uh, John Krasowski, I think his name is, Krasinski. Um, he plays uh, Jim in the American office. Mm. He actually starred and also directed um, A Quiet Place. Yeah. The one where obviously they make, can't make a noise because it attracts these aliens. Um, and it, I think the directing that was absolutely incredible. And it, like I said, it's he's gone from the role of being an actor up to the director. Now, whether or not that's just because there's not enough enough women a- actresses to then want to go into that role, or if there's not enough ample opportunity. Um, I mean, I'm all for um, equal equal rights, equal opportunities, and you know, it's I think it's quite disgusting that it's just four percent of um, let's get the quote. Um, the figures which reveal only 4% of the biggest earning films from the past decade have been directed by women. So that's 4% of... How many films would you say get released a year? Exactly. Like 50, 60 a year. So you're talking 600 films. Yeah. 4% of that is what? 60 would be 10%. 5% would be 30. 30 films. Yeah. Of the last decade. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely disgusting. I mean, I'm... I completely agree with what you're saying with the um, companies that put these films out. Mm. I mean, like Warner Brothers, I'm not pitting anyone out to blame them, but just to use the example of like Warner Brothers, um, yeah. they might, obviously they've got a product to sell in the day, and it's their product, and by reaching out and going, oh, this will sell more money if Spielberg directs yeah. it. Or Tim Burton or directs Tim Burton it. Directs yeah, it. yeah. It, it's, there needs to be an equal opportunity, so... Okay, Steven Spielberg has, as far as I'm aware, has never been in an acting role. No. But he's always been a director, so obviously he's got the... The, the know-how. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, you know, it's it's like having a player go turn to a manager. Um, for example, my beloved team, Rochdale. Um, <laughs> our, one of our players, Keith Hill, used to be a player for us back in the 90s. He is now a manager for us, and we've... It's been the most successful team. Well, it's the most successful we've ever, we've ever been mm. in the hundred odd years that we've been around. So, I think definitely, and you just using that example, that women definitely should still have the opportunity to direct a film. It it shouldn't be a case of the film studios going, we know someone who will do it, and speaking to Tim Burton, for example, and saying oh, he'll do that, and f- forking out the cost for him as well. Exactly when you know. They could, get, you know, use someone to either shadow him, you know, and, you know, like a Scarlett Johansson maybe yeah. or, a, or a Whoopi Goldberg and go, yeah, look, yeah. you know, this is how he directs his films. Um, watch him and then, you know, like we'll, we'll let you thing. do our next, the next film that we do. Yeah, we'll let you it. direct it. Yeah. Um, but learn from him and... That's how it works in most worlds. In, exactly, in, yeah. in the job world itself, you know, if you're going from, you know, the lowest paid member of staff and you're progressing up the ladder, you have to follow, supervise and watch exactly every, what, what all the other people above you are doing in order to be able to do that job when you get there. Yeah. Um, so it's like this endless cycle um, really, and it doesn't seem to have made its way through to film. That's yeah, and even with like the, the pay gap that was and TV uh, in yeah, fairness, yeah, and TV, yeah, it's like that. The the pay gap is completely different, and again, it's, it's, I don't get it. I don't get why. Why? It's it doesn't matter. We've I, I get years and decades ago there was a whole thing of you know our people said our oh, women's brains are smaller, and it was just that masculine world that we lived in but we you know we don't live in that world anymore no and it's like the the film industry is so set in its ways that it's not willing to come out of that thought i'm not saying they still do but you know what i'm saying it's they just need to play catch up yeah but then in the same sense there's some people that 
Um, I know in the TV world, some women that have come out and gone, why does it matter if I'm getting paid less than a man? You know, well, I'm not too fussed by it. Um, like Gabby Logan, she does a couple of episodes of Match of the Day. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm not getting paid the same as Gary Lineker for doing it. He, but he's he's been doing it for years. Yeah, so yeah. what, what, I can't moan about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's like his the, thing. Like a premium. Yeah. Thing, you know I mean, it's, yeah. As the more you do it, the more your pay goes up. Yeah. Which again is I personally don't think is fair. Yeah. Um, and I agree that men and women should have equal pay, but it's just the way things are rolling. And I'm sure that once Gabby Logan's done a few more episodes, or you know, if Gary Lineker goes on to do something else, um, she'll be the first person to step up, and she'll get the same pay as him. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. It's crazy and it's like this times up campaign that's been la- uh, that that they've launched a 4% challenge which has had people like Brie Larson, Bryce Dallas Howard uh, lending the support just to say you know get more people um get more women directing films um so there's a lady called Georgia Paris um who premiered her f- first full length film Marie at the BFI Film Festival and these are the things that should be getting picked up. Mm. You know, these... The people from Warner Brothers, from Metro Goldwyn-Mayer, from Disney, should all be going to this these small, independent... I say small. The film festival yeah. is quite big. Um, but they should be going to these and looking for these independent filmmakers that have directed films and go, that's amazing. Yeah. We need that. You know, we need some of that. Yeah, like like not like a talent scout, but like well, yeah, like a talent scout. Um, using the contrast with football, you know, Gareth Southgate when he's getting his England squad together, we'll go to England matches and watch not England matches, obviously yeah. go to England matches, go to matches in the Premier League, yeah, yeah, and then see for himself. Oh, I need him. Yeah, or well, that player's playing well at the minute. Exactly. You know, I want them in my side, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's. And even in football in general, scouts for each for all clubs yeah. are constantly going out looking for the next best thing, the next bit of talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, the next Ronaldo or Beckham or you know. Yeah. So, again, as I say, it should be happening in film, and I don't see why it isn't. Um, let's move on now. Yeah. To perhaps uh, the thing that you're looking most to talking about. <laughs> Far Cry New Dawn, the new game coming Can't out wait. on the 15th of February, which, funnily enough, is my payday. Is it? Yeah. Oh, what a terrible shame that is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I cannot wait for this game to come out. So if, you, if, if, if you're listening and you don't know what Far Cry is somehow, then Far Cry is a first-person shooter or survival game in a way. Um, where you follow one protagonist and you've got to kind of liberate a entire map. There's a storyline yeah, to, story to it. There's a storyline to it. So use an example of the last one that came out, Far Cry 4. Um, five. Far Cry 5, sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, which is the one set in America with the... Um, oh, what was it? I can't remember the word for it. But like a like a religion, made-up religion, yeah. made religion, you know what I mean? Um, of someone who is the big bad guy but is like split off different sections and yeah um and it's your job to take them down and liberate certain areas it's like assassin's creed yeah yeah very much very much like assassin's creed but with guns so this far cry new dawn basically is set in a post-apocalyptic era um now i don't know if it is um i think it is a sequel isn't it to far cry 5 yes it's a follow yeah. on uh, it does say here a narrative sequel to Far Cry oh, 5. So, yeah. so the narrative follows on from that. Yeah, so it's they're, they're an open world environment and it's you get given tasks to do. So it could be things like taking down propaganda, it could be taking down um, like radio towers, stuff like that in the meantime, like side quests. But you have like a main quest to go on, a whole open world. Um, and I'm quite interested to hope, I think, Oh, it is. So I just read it. It's actually set in Hope County, Montana, which is the exact same setting as Far Cry 5. So it is pretty much just carrying it on is. from yeah. where it left off. Exactly. 
Um, now, one thing I will not spoil it, but every, most every, every other game of Far Cry, there's been an easy way to complete the game. Mm. So Far Cry 4, there's an achievement. You can complete the game in under 10 minutes. When Pagan Min, the main protagonist, like, have you played Far Cry 4? Yes. Yeah. So when, when Pagan Min comes in and says, oh, I'll try the crab mandu, whatever the dish is you got in front of him. I've got to see something. He walks out the room, and that's when you take over control, and you like jump out the window or whatever you do to get out of the palace. Yeah. If you stay sat there for ten minutes, literally ten minutes, real time, human minutes, he'll then walk back in, and then take you to where you're gonna spread your mother's ashes. And that's roll, it. Done. So I mean, it, that takes all the fun out of the game. It does, but it's just I love <laughs> it. I love that Ubisoft have. They're a serious company, but they throw in things like that. I love it. Yeah, but um, that's the challenge, to try and find those things. Exactly. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they did the same with Far Cry 5. So, when you go to arrest, uh, I can't remember, it's Jacob, I think his name's Jacob, the main bad guy. Um, you can, when it, when it says, put the handcuffs on him, if you just don't press the button to put the handcuffs on him, then you walk away. That's it, game over, credits roll. <laughs> it's, I can't wait to see something like that being it as well. I like those mm. little... Nods to the uh, to the people playing. If that makes sense. Yeah, and like it, the wall break. It says here as well the player will assume the role of a new character whose gender oh. and race can be customized. Oh. Um, so it's not a set character like in previous games. Yeah, yeah. Um, the guns for hire and the fangs for hire systems from Far Cry Five return, uh, with the character being able to recruit human survivors and animals for combat assistance. Cool. And in addition to new characters, the game's cast includes an array of returning characters from Far Cry Five as well. So, there are uh, with any like with any film, with any game, you have to add new yeah. characters in for the thing to continue. For the progression, yeah, definitely. Um, so you know, people can't remember that new weapons are introduced in the game, including a saw launcher that fires blades of circular saws. <laughs> All I can picture is, have you played Half-Life 2? <laughs> All I can imagine is going back to Raven home and just firing those circular sword blades. <laughs> uh, players acquire new weapons and attachments which can be upgraded to three different levels through crafting and finishing missions. Vehicles can also be crafted. Cool. Ah, so I'm guessing this is going to have some Mad Max stuff thrown into it. Yeah. Well, then. That'd be meant. That'd yeah, be so it'll be quite... Uh, they're really up in the game yeah, here yeah. with this. Yeah, they're, they're pulling everything in together, aren't they? Yeah. Um... I hope it's just not too over the top. I mean, I like Far Cry to the point of it's, it is realistic, like if in the extreme circumstances. And simple can, to play. And simple to play. You can pick up and play it. Yeah. Um, so like Far Cry 4, for example, it's quite realistic. Well, it is realistic. Um, Far Cry 5, you know, if that kind of thing was to happen um, with like the religious extremist groups, then, you know, that is a possibility of what could happen. It's, it's not a different world. And Far Cry New Dawn, Okay, we're not in a post-apocalyptic world, but if it was to happen, you can actually see like, oh, this could happen. You know what I mean? It, it's it does, it's not like a different world where, like with um, um, I can't remember the word name of the game now, but like say St Star Wars, mm. you know you're playing a fictional character, and that those things are never going to be true to life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this it does feel Far Cry has always felt like it could happen, mm. and I really hope this game follows through with it because it's that's the immersion that I love. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so it will be available on all um, good networks. Microsoft Windows, PS4, Xbox One, uh, released on February the 15th. Mm. Not long to wait. Oh. <laughs> I'll be skinned by then, unfortunately, but I'm, I can pre-order it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get someone to get it you as a gift. Yeah, I, I game share some people, so I'm sure I can convince them. <laughs> <laughs> so next... The big talking point in sport this week. Yeah. Transfer deadline week, day. It's been a whole month. Yeah. Uh, but last night, the 31st of January, um, was deadline day. Yeah. And it's been the quietest yeah, since 2012. Yeah. The quietest January transfer deadline. It's, yeah, I... I don't, yeah. <laughs> Some clubs, though, um, bringing in, you know, Lincoln, for example. Yeah. Three or four players on loan. Uh, yeah. Lee Angle um, on a permanent deal. And 
Matt Gilks, dare I say, uh, has come in you as well. You can't see us, but there's a certain level of disdain and pensiveness <laughs> in my face right now. <laughs> uh, t- tell them why, Tom. <laughs> okay, so I, I, you might have heard me mention that my beloved Rochdale, um, Matthew Gilks is a club hero for us. Um, he's up there with, you know, if, if you think of like a classic England team, for example, so everyone can get where I'm coming from. You think of Gordon Banks, you know, 1966 and 1970 World Cup um, goalkeeper. Yeah. Especially when he saved that amazing header from Pele. Matthew Gilks for us is synonymous with the goalkeeper role, obviously because he's a goalkeeper, but he is the... Basically, we wanted him back. (laughs) He is an absolute club hero, and the fact that you could hear him, um, you heard about him possibly wanting to move Mm. um, from uh, Scunthorpe. Everyone was on their feet. Yeah, we're going to get Matthew Jokes, get Matthew Jokes. And then, unfortunately, Lincoln signed him. Um, which, okay, for my Unfortunately team, for you. Yeah. yeah. For good news for the local team, because he is an absolutely amazing goalkeeper. He is getting And he's quite for, buff as well. So, is, you know, yeah, um, you see, like at Manchester United, David De Gea is quite skinny and yeah. slim. But it's good to have a nice, buff, strong goalkeeper. Yeah, that's it. And especially with his age, even if he doesn't play and he's like a backup. He's definitely a credit to any coaching staff. Um, he's played internationally. He's played um, in the Premiership. He's played in the Championship. He's got a whole wealth of experience. Um, I mean, from Rochdale, he went on to, I think it was Rangers. So then he went from, at that point, League Two up to Scottish Prem. Yeah. And, yeah, that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, but, yeah, oh, I can't believe um, got him. At Lincoln now. Um <sighs> So, yeah, the quietest <laughs> deadline day since 2012. Only 12 deals made last night. Yeah, I can't, I, um, I can't believe that. I mean, I totally and only £50 million. Pounds. Yeah. The overall spending for the month in total is £180 million. 180. I've seen times because in the in the past I've you know usually watched the deadline day coverage on Sky Sports. Yeah. Say and you know they always have people there, down at the stadiums and gosh I can't imagine what it was like last night. Yeah. You know, yeah. With nobody turning up anywhere and you know yeah. they've hired out all these reporters to go and you know get the latest if a transfer is yeah, made. Yeah. It's yeah it's, it was such a huge non-event. Well yeah. it was an event in itself but for what it usually is. It's like the Super Bowl and nothing happening. I always watch the summer deadline day window because there's there's always so much action. It's always so much action packed. Yeah, that's it. January seems to have got quieter. Yeah. Though, um, and I think it's because it's harder to sign players in January because players don't want uh, clubs don't want players to leave because then they have to replace them and it's harder to hard to replace people because they don't want to move from clubs yeah. in January because you know um, they can still see out the season at their current place and yeah. hope that it goes well so it, it's it's a difficult one yeah yeah it's I, it, especially in January because it teams like with, with again I can't go with Rochdale I can't say because I'm not a link supporter but like because we're struggling in League 2 for the last year and this year now mm. um, you know it's it's that it's that USP that unique selling point that you know we're we're in relegation spot at the minute, so you've got to kind of think. Well, if there's good talent and the player knows he's good talent, why would he go to Rochdale? Yeah. Compared to like Lincoln City, who are on the up. On the up. I mean, they're still top of the league at that yeah. moment in time. And um, so you know, you can kind of there's that certain gravity behind it, and especially in the summer, it's different because people hire new people in. There's new tactics being formed. And Sometimes new managers new at managers, clubs. Yeah. yeah, and it's all that kind of. It's like a refresh. It's a refresh button, mm. and it's a blank slate, which it is in many respects. And it's a prime example is Manchester United. There yes. were people like Pogba, Marseille, Lukaku, all wanting to leave yeah. under Mourinho, and then Solskjaer has come in to do this interim role, done really well, and they've all gone. We'll stay for now yeah, and see it. what happens, and see who they get in at the end of the campaign and yeah. then make our decision in the summer if we want to stay or not. Um, but they've not signed a single player. They would have needed to had Pogba, Lukaku, yeah. Martial, questionably even Rashford yeah, uh, yeah. gone as well. Um, four of the best players. Yeah. Um, but they've said, West, we want to do what 
Manchester United do best, and that's bringing the youth through. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, which is great as well. Great for the England uh, squad going forward because if Manchester United are bringing these great English players through um, at a high level, you know what? That's it. There's not enough clubs in the Premier League doing that. No, there's not. There's there's a lot of import and you can see why. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely see why because you get more more out of your money. Yeah, because again. The, a football team's business at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Not a football team anymore. So it's yeah, you're gonna to want to bring in the Higuains with their experience and the playing. Which want... Chelsea have done. Yeah. And again, you know, that's kind of business minded as well in the sense that's that it. they can make money from shirt sales, you know, exactly. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like um, like Manchester United, I know it's it's owned by I can't remember the uh, it's not the Russo brothers, the directors. But like the that American company that's bought them out and they own them. Yeah, um, they they own a baseball team as well, I think. Yeah, and they because they're like they franchised Manchester United. Now it's yeah. If you go into like Sports Direct, you'll see Manchester United, Liverpool, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it's its own brand. But when that starts to fail, the club starts to fail in their actual core skill football. Then you start to struggle more. So I remember a couple of years ago. They but then at the same equally, you know, when you front face the manager of the club yeah is so jaded and you know like Mourinho was towards the end very yeah. nonchalant about things very kind of you know it's not my fault stop yeah. picking on me all that kind of stuff that's also bad yeah for oh, business yeah. exactly yeah um but yeah so the biggest deal on deadline day saw Newcastle who didn't sign a single player in the summer transfer window spend Twitter break their record to sign £20 million uh, Paraguayan playmaker Miguel Almiron from MLS side Atlanta United. A different game in America in the MLS. So whether he can adjust to the Premier League is a different thing. But Newcastle need to do something. uh, Because as I say, they didn't make any signings in summer. Had a difficult first few months of the season. So they need to turn their season around now. Yeah, yeah. And then they've signed a defender from Monaco on loan. Wolves signed Atletico Madrid uh, fullback Johnny Castro for fifteen million. Uh, the next highest fee after that was seven million pounds uh, by uh, for Anti Palaversa, who moved to Manchester City, but then immediately returned to Hadrick Split on loan. I never understand that. Like, why <laughs> buy a player and then send them out? straight on loan like just wait till the end of the season that's it to buy them yeah but then again like you say if they if he has continues to have a good season his price will rise exactly that's um, it. It's, so it can, good, it can be good but also in some respects it can be bad business yeah um is if you look at say his stock share um he could have a he might be having a poor season at uh, Hadjuk split but then now he's at manchester city's books he's bought them at a discounted price, but he's letting them go back on loan. So he's on Man City's books, but he's still getting the education there. Yeah. So it's obviously there's some more deals behind it, behind the scenes, but it's it could it could also be on either side looking glass. It could be a problem with the finances over at the, the parent club. And I think a lot of squads are worried about finances yeah. at the moment. Um because there has been an abundance of loan deals yeah. in the January window. Crystal Palace uh, have signed Michi Batshuayi on loan. Um, f- again, you know, a club that needs to do something. Michi Batshuayi, a fantastic striker that can really do well at Crystal Palace. He's been warming the bench at Chelsea. Yeah. Peter Crouch, who is 38, has signed um, a deal for Burnley. He's going to back to the Premier League at the age of 38. Um, he'll have the chance to add to his 108 Premier League goals after joining uh, Burnley from Stoke uh, with Sam Vokes going in the other direction. Um, he could be one of the top 10 oldest scorers in the Premier League. Yeah, could be. Crazy. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> He's still got it, though. Yeah. He has, has still got yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and again, not enough game time at Stoke. Um, and the only other Premier League sign-in saw Brighton recruit two youngsters and send them back to their clubs on loan. Again, same with the uh, yeah with the Hadrick split situation. Isn't it? Uh, League One signed a formula in deal for Will Grigg. I'm good at that as well. I wanted Will Grigg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a, a position that Rochdale are struggling in. Yeah. 
it definitely is yeah it's uh we again not going to throw Rochdale under the bus but at the minute we're not doing great um but i mean like we we focus on one striker mm. um in henderson he's our top he's now our top goal scorer uh, with 104 goals for the club um no 105 after this weekend um and he's an absolute force to be reckoned with but he's the only person who's scoring our goals if he goes in what's going to come from it um so we need another striker but especially here in Will Grigg, who's always on fire, was available. You know what I mean? It's you just kind of come on, just come on, come here. <laughs> um, but the fair play to him. I mean, Sunderland are on the up. They're they're in, I believe, in a league too low. Obviously, they've had a bad run to bring them back down to League One. Um, but I think Will Grigg will definitely progress further. He's a fantastic player. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know why he's not featured in some sense for. And England side. Ah, yeah, he 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 is. He's international. He's not English. Oh, he's Northern Irish. Northern Irish. Oh well, that's a shame, yeah. isn't it? Because that's one of the reasons as well why. It's I the same with like, I always forget that Aaron Ramsey and uh, yeah, Aaron Ramsey's Welsh. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, he'd be really good in the. Oh wait, he can't. That's he's it. Welsh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, like, yeah. That's what. I, that's why I love the Irish and the um, Northern Irish fans at World Cups and Euros. That chant, Will Griggs on fire. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I still sing it. Even when the actual song comes on, I still sing it to myself. Yeah, so um, Tottenham go in an entire season without signing anyone. That's, yeah, that's that's crazy. But still doing very well. Yeah, that's it. They might not, uh, Postuna might not want anyone else. He might be happy with what it's I mean, he has said he wished he could have spent some money in the summer, um, which is one of the reasons why people are going... Is he going to move to Manchester United and get yeah. the Manchester United job because they'll have money to spend there? I don't think he'll leave, personally. Mm-hmm. I think they might, if Solskjaer continues to do well, give it to him. Oh, yeah. They'd be, they'd be stupid not to. He, why would you throw that away? He's not lost <laughs> in his first nine games. Admittedly, midweek, they drew 2-2 with Burnley, and it was a game they probably should have won. Yeah. Uh, but they went 2-0 down and, come back from and came back from it. Yeah. Um, so Solskjaer obviously said something to them at half time in the dressing room and went come on lads you know that's it yeah and it worked yeah, so yeah. he's obviously doing something right yeah. and for him to not get the job after winning his first 9-10 games which I don't think has ever been done by a Manchester United manager I think, so. I think uh, so Matt Busby uh, and a couple of other managers won their first 7 yeah. games um, but the first 8 and not lost in 9 because obviously he didn't win the last game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it will continue. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, there were, of course, some deals that didn't go through. Arsenal failed uh, to sign Ivan Perisic, who would have been fantastic to see in the Premier League. Yeah, that would have been a big signing. Yeah. Um, uh, Yannick Carrasco and Christopher Nkunku, they wanted a lot of players. Uh, I think... Um, of course, Unai Emery turning to French players because he knows the market. As yeah, as as very well. Uh, Betis, Real Betis, and Schalke expressed interest in striker Tottenham striker Vincent Janssen, but neither re- move reter- materialised. And uh, Everton rejected an offer from Paris Saint Germain for Idrissa Gay, who I do understand that one because he's been one of their best players this yeah, season. Definitely. So you want to hold on to those players and they might not think £26 million was enough for him. Yeah, might not have been. Yeah. So it's interesting really how, um, just how quiet it's gone. Um, But one of the biggest deals of the window, of course, Christian Pusilic from Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea. £58 million. Um, But then he was loaned straight back to the Bundesliga leaders until the end of the season. So crazy, yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing as well that that Danny Drinkwater and Gary Cahill um still on Chelsea's books, are they? Yeah, um, that they've turned down Juventus, Monaco, and Fulham, and I think that's a, it's great to show they've got um passion and want to stay at the club. Um, but you know where Chelsea are at the minute, you know, especially Danny Drinkwater, he's he's fairly young. You know, he's he's turned down Juventus. I mean, you know. Let's be realistic. Juventus is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, um, and that's obviously helped with the prospect of um, I forgot his name. 
Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, Monaco as well. So you're already in the Tim Serie A league. Um, and then Fulham, which, okay, it's Fulham. I understand. No disrespect to Fulham, but it's like going from Manchester United down to Rochdale's level. In, mm. in, I don't understand. I'm not trying to belittle Fulham at all, but like they're like... Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the... Like Target getting the wrong people. Yeah, that's it. It's it's like a class. If you, do you know what I mean? I'm trying and there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and going, yeah, exactly. these are the players we want because this is what will get us out of relegation. Yeah. But those players aren't going to want to go to a club that are in the relegation zone. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And risk going <laughs> into a lower league. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's exactly what I meant, yeah. Let's yeah. move on yeah. uh, to the final one of Justin today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> BBC Newsbeat, uh, sorry, BBC News Story, this one, not Newsbeat, at the University of Nottingham ending unconditional offers. There's been lots of talk about this. Um, too many unconditional offers are, from a lot of universities, which apparently yeah. um, is a bad thing because once um, secondary school students get these offers, they go, well, I've got an unconditional offer, so it doesn't matter if I don't do as well. You know, and I don't get straight A's, so people are people are questioning it, going, yeah. "Should we really be giving them unconditional offers?" That's it. Um, I see. My personal opinion is, I don't think there should be any unconditional offers at all. Um, obviously, so much can happen, but in some respects, I'm in two minds. Conditional offers, I think, for conditional offers should still be offered, mm. but not in the way they're given out. So, like, I think they base them on. Grades and grades, marks, yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, I really struggled at school. But as soon as I left school, I got my apprenticeship. You know, I've now got a degree in engineering. That if I go back to myself now, in that time, and said, "Look, you're going to get a degree in engineering," I know he's going to laugh back at me because I couldn't apply myself. Um, but I think conditional offers should be given to those students who have progressively shown they study to a high standard. Yeah. It's not just a case of they've... They turn up and... Exactly. Yeah. They get the job done, they study hard, and I think, yes, spot on. But when it goes down to, like, a mock, I mean, I know from my own mocks that um, my mocks were brilliant. I had a load of A's, mm. and, but I came out with only six GCSEs rather than the predicted 11. It's... That that mock could have been a fluke. It could have been, I'm, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, there's cases for both exactly. both sides of the argument, yeah, and yeah. it does say though that nearly a quarter of applicants nationally received last year a unconditional offer. Mine, for university when I applied uh, four years ago now, was an unconditional. Right. Um, I know people that got a conditional, um, but I don't know how they work it. I really don't. Yeah. Um, same how they go, oh, this person should get an unconditional, but this one needs a conditional, because they're fighting for the same course. Yeah. So what's the difference? Exactly, yeah. It's... Why should one get a, oh, you don't need to do anything more than you're already doing, but you need to do more if you want to get into our university. Yeah, that's it. And, yeah, I think the way that unconditional offers that, that it's appeared to be given out needs to end. Like you said, it could be a case of, oh, well, I'm at this level, fine, I'll sit back and then just relax and I have to work as hard. Yeah, because I've definitely got my place no matter what. Exactly. And I think it's it can be a hindrance, even though it's not supposed to be a hindrance, saying, congratulations, you're coming to uni 100%, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, I think that in itself will be a hindrance to people slowing down their learning and then all of a sudden they get down to, they get to university level, to level five, and all of a sudden they're not used to it because they've... They've dropped back using an analogy of like running. Say you you train for a marathon, mm. and then say you you've met your time. You then don't relax and oh, I've completed twenty six miles. Yeah, I've done it in the time that I wanted yeah, to. You, you always try and beat it. You don't rest for two weeks doing nothing yeah. and then do the marathon because you won't finish it in that time. You know, this one, you know what I'm yeah. trying to say, um, and it's that's where I'm I'm seeing it from. Um, exceptional circumstances, definitely. So like like I said, people who have consistently through yeah. all the years shown talent uh, well, I say talent shown they study hard they work hard they deserve it 100% but when it comes down to just one one tiny snapshot of a situation it just it's a hindrance 
Yeah. Well, the spokeswoman said unconditional offers initially proved useful in attracting applicants from disadvantaged backgrounds and delivered modest gains in student recruitment in targeted subjects and that they're now no longer relevant. However, with many applicants now receiving three or more unconditional offers from different universities, Nottingham's use of unconditional offers to demonstrate the university's faith in talented applicants is no longer relevant. Um, How long do you think it'll be before all universities go, let's either cut back on unconditional offers or get rid of them? It all depends on this year or the next year coming when it actually takes effect. Um, They've said that they're going to honour this year's they've already given out yeah and um, i think after this next because it could affect the amount of applicants that they it get do. and yeah. when Absolutely. you know universities have to make money yeah to survive so if they're not getting enough applicants the uni goes under yeah um that's it it's... so sometimes they have to offer these unconditional places to attract the people from disadvantaged yeah. backgrounds that perhaps aren't doing so well in school and that's why i can see that point of view as well yeah yeah yeah, I, th- I, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, and the, I think the the time scale of where it will actually take effect is, again, to use another analogy because I like using my analogies, is <laughs> um, the is like the gaming industry with microtransactions. Before mobile gaming took off, there wasn't any mobile, there wasn't any uh, microtransactions. Yeah, mobile gaming took off, income, loot boxes, stuff like that. All of a sudden, EA and whoever have brought loot boxes into the games yeah and it's just a it's just a horrible natural progression of of the industry and i think you know if this trend works and it will then introduce over a certain time um it could be a matter of years it could be if it's so successful the idea behind it next year more universities might do it okay we'll get we go straight away the year after um well it depends really doesn't it yeah yes it could be only a, time will tell exactly yeah, yeah who knows we might be doing this next year and all the universities might have said, yeah, we're getting rid of unconditional offers. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Madness. Yeah, that's it. That's all we've got for this show. For just in today. Just, <laughs> just in. It's starting to grow, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's starting to grow. It's getting there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back with more next week. Thank you very much.